Chapter Six of Tilda Jane's Orphans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kathleen. Tilda Jane's Orphans by Marshall Saunders. Chapter Six: A Call on the Lumber Merchant. The day's work was over for Mister Waysmith, the stout, prosperous-looking lumber merchant and the richest man in ciscasset his evening was just beginning and he sat alone in his luxurious library where none of the family ever penetrated unless at his request he had spent his usual number of hours at his desk in the office at the mill he had had his daily drive and his dinner and now came his time of relaxation many of the latest magazines were on the table by his side he was stretched out in an easy-chair with his feet to a cosy fire and sounds of music came from the distant parlor where his wife and children with a number of their friends were amusing themselves last but not least over in the corner lay his inseparable friend companion and guardian the creature who lived only for him but in such a unobtrusive way that many persons never suspected his existence come here muffles he said suddenly and he held out a hand a thoroughbred bulldog whole-coloured and with a black mask of a face came composedly from a shadowy corner he did not lick the hand extended to him he merely touched it with his black muzzle and was about to return to his corner when his master said up here the task of springing to the easy chair was a light one to a dog of such a powerful front he scarcely seemed to move as he sprang then he spread his stout and muscular limbs across mr waysmith's knee and lifted his massive head to his face courage tenacity unyielding stubbornness murmured mr waysmith but in spite of that enormous head no more brains than other dogs you're something like me muffles i'm not brilliant i get on because i hold fast the dog never moved a muscle for that reason he was mr waysmith's closest confidant you listen and make no sign continued the merchant yet you never sleep where i am concerned twice you have saved my life muffles don't die i could not replace you the dog did not wag his tail nor did he lick the caressing fingers and finally as if thinking there is nothing new or remarkable in these observations he turned his stolid gaze to the fire presently he rousted himself and looked toward the door someone has come said mr waysmith composedly though i hear nothing get into your corner the dog obeyed him stealing like a substantial shadow behind a sofa an instant later someone knocked at the door and when mr waysmith said come in a bright faced young irish maid announced with assumed boldness that a young girl wished to see him he frowned slightly send her away tell her my office is the place where i see strangers sure and i did sir but instead of gettin out she's all for gettin in and the housekeeper is afeard she'll not take advice that she'll take a cold instead or she'll be for climbin up the stoop and insinuatin herself through a wonder she's that wild to git in mr waysmith had a great regard for his old housekeeper's opinion he had also a slight suspicion that this young girl did not look upon him with proper respect therefore with a desire to suppress her 
and to get rid of messages from his audacious caller he said curtly bring her in his suspicion with regard to irish mary was quite unfounded she stood in awe of him quite as much as the rest of the world and her flow of information had been prompted by nervousness therefore with a relieved gasping yes sir she closed the door and disappeared mr waysmith did not recognize the dark respectable-looking half-grown girl who quietly entered and drawing himself up in his chair he fixed her with a solemn steady stare tilda jane was not as nervous as irish mary but still she had considerable dread of this ponderous dignified man she had forced herself into his presence and she supposed he would be very angry with her very much to her relief he was indulging only in cold disdain the high-up folks know how to get mad proper she murmured that yelling and firing things like poor grandpa upsets me awful excuse me sir she continued aloud and leaning against a corner of the table as he did not ask her to sit down i've got something to say to you that'll make you prick up your ears just like a dog's something about business this word changed the character of the forced interview mr waysmith was at all times the alert man of affairs this girl might have something important to communicate to him some disaster might threaten him perhaps some evil-disposed person was about to fire his lumber-yards he had been warned of this before sit down he said with cold politeness pointing to a nearby chair i say business remarked tilda jane as she obeyed him it's part of your business part mine i guess you don't call me to mind sir he did not for he was slowly shaking his head and she went on do you call up the time sir when a poor little girl asked you for money on the train and you wouldn't give it a gleam of recollection not agreeable recollection passed over his face your son kind of took pity on me that day he's got a nice face sir bright and shiny-looking and he's awful handsome favors his ma now sir i guess i'd like to see that young fellow good and prospering and not standing in the way of sinners nor sitting in the seat of the scornful mr waysmith acknowledged these good wishes by a stately bow but first i must go back on my tracks said tilda jane pulling herself up briskly you'd like to have some account of me since i last set eyes on you i was in a peck of trouble then and i've had a few courts since but things have changed with me sir i suppose you know the tracys mr waysmith again bowed they're good folks sir truly good i go to see them once in so often and they fix things all up between me and that old man what old man mr dillson sir he that was your bookkeeper don't you mind i was coming to keep house for him her companion's heavy face brightened at the mention of a familiar name and he assured her that he did not recall the circumstance yes sir she continued the tracys got mr dillson or grandpa as i call him to say i could bide with him and they used to send us tasty things to eat then mr tracy got hank that good place in your mill as assistant bookkeeper this was not news to mr waysmith and he wrinkled his forehead in slight impatience tilda jane felt his impatience but she was launched and could not stop herself well sir as i was saying i'm living with grandpa 
and i'm getting to set more store by him every day he isn't all tiger as your son said he was i've found some lamb in him and i'd just like your son to come and see him on one of his lammy days if i was sure when one was coming on i'd send for him but grandpa's chancy i like your son he's so free-like and chatty and always stops me in the street and asks me how i'm getting on i'm not afraid of him like i am of you sir what was the girl working up to mr waysmith withdrew the thumb marking a place in the partly closed magazine on his knee and putting it on the table took up another he was master of a number of small devices calculated to hurry a long-winded caller he was just about to stand up when something occurred that effectually aroused his interest his dog the quiet undemonstrative muffles was coming deliberately from his corner to inspect this small girl mr waysmith was quietly amazed he watched the dog go up to tilda jane sniff curiously about her dress then stand on his hind legs calmly search her face and as if satisfied and charmed with his scrutiny gently licked her hand and this was the dog who rarely caressed his master and never by any chance gave a stranger more than a searching glance after watching him go back to his corner mr waysmith said are you fond of dogs oh yes sir she said eloquently don't you mind that day i met you on the train i had one dog in my arms and the other in the baggage car i just love them i think i must be a kind of sister to dogs he said nothing and she continued don't be jealous sir of that there dog which i see is a quiet one that doesn't favor strangers he just knows i love him and he's trying to tell me he knows it because we may never meet again go on with your story said mr waysmith in a non-committal way well sir she said feverishly i'm right in the dillson family now and we are quite a family there's ruth ann the cow and milkweed the horse and our new orphan perletta and the pigeons and sparrows and the dear comfy hens and that reminds me i ought to be home now greasing the hens legs cause they've got the scaly disease but i thought your son's soul ought to come first i love animals but i always make them come after the humans now being a member of the family i can't help taking in that grandpa isn't a good sleeper and she paused and closely scrutinized her hearer to see whether he showed any sign of emotion at this statement he did not it was in no wise remarkable that an old man should be a light sleeper grandpa's got something on his mind sir said the little girl hastily and i guess you're the only one that could get it off it's been on ever since i come here last year i thought it was trouble on account of sixty dollars he lost in the street and never got but it's not the sixty dollars this is higher trouble but i know you could get it off instead of being overcome by this announcement mr waysmith stifled a yawn he wished this young girl would stop posing about an old man who had long since left his employ and would take herself away her announcement of business must have been a mere pretext to beg dillson was a good trustworthy bookkeeper in his day he said patronizingly take this and buy some little delicacy for him tilda jane would not touch the five-dollar note he was offering her and her face grew crimson i'm not begging sir it's mind trouble that i'm trying to explain well why did she not explain it he wondered why did she hesitate and stammer and fall into such a state of confusion 
i'm not set in my opinions sir she said reading his thoughts surely i'm not sure i'm on the right track yet i'm all broke up about poor grandpa if he confesses to you i guess you'd forgive him particularly as i've got something to tell about forgiving someone else mr waysmith looked coldly interested and a trifle suspicious oh it's a lovely thing to forgive exclaimed the little girl eloquently to have your heart all melted down and soft like the rivers in the spring and not to have icy feelings any more i used to be a little mad with grandpa and now i can't get mad cause i've given it all up i'd like to see him happy sir the lumber merchant only slightly touched by her eulogium on the pleasures of forgiveness had suddenly become possessed of a lively curiosity dillson had done him wrong and this girl had found it out if you speak out plainly and tell me what you have to say i will consider your statement he remarked judicially i pay no attention to enigmas i don't know what enigmas are responded tilda jane desperately but i know something about your son you'd give ten piles of lumber to know her companion regarded her for the silent and solemn space of one minute then he said you wish to effect a bargain you have a secret with regard to my son to barter for my forgiveness of some wrong-doing on the part of dillson it doesn't sound pretty to put it that way said tilda jane struggling with some inner and powerful emotion but let it go now you will promise to say that thing is past and gone i forgive you and don't yell any more in your sleep the only way in which dillson has been able to injure me is by defrauding me of money he probably has done that said mr waysmith coolly s'pose he had replied tilda jane wildly s'pose he had taken money s'pose he didn't think then he was sorry what would you do would you forgive him mr waysmith did not like being cross-questioned by one so immeasurably his inferior however he wished to obtain the rest of her information so he said calmly as a general thing i punish i do not forgive you don't oh sir why not forgiveness doesn't pay my girl there is no such thing in business you wouldn't drag him to jail would you she cried her eyes wide open in horror calm yourself and lower your voice when i understand the case more fully i will decide what to do now your information about my son oh i can't tell you sir not unless you promise to go see grandpa and tell him you forgive him and let him lie in peace in his bed you ought to go into trade young girl you would make your fortune oh i'm not thinking of trading i'm thinking of having people happy and comfortable oh sir you will come and see grandpa and you will forgive him when dillson comes to me and confesses what he has done it will be time enough for me to say what i will do but he's scared out of his life sir he's more afraid of you than of a great big ugly bear with a sore paw he was evidently not scared enough of me to keep from injuring me tilda jane was terribly upset she rose from her seat and stood opening and shutting her mouth without uttering a word and nervously clasping and unclasping her hands oh those little pig eyes she muttered to herself he's just steeped in selfishness he isn't willing to forgive he's mad with grandpa maybe he'll tell him what i've said and grandpa'll be mad with me oh dear i wish i'd been born without a tongue i've done no good 
have you anything more to say young girl asked mr waysmith deliberately he had risen now and was staring down at her in a magnificent way he wants me to go said tilda jane between her closed teeth i shan't tell him anything about his son i shan't give him the wink he'd be glad to get let him find out said she her lips pressed oh lord keep me from saying anything hateful to him with a last reproachful stare she hurriedly walked out of the room looking at him peculiarly over her shoulder as she did so and keeping her mouth tightly closed her manner was sufficient mr waysmith understood her and with a frown he stepped to the door and turned the key in the lock tilda jane heard him and stamping her foot with rage and impatience she hurried out of the house and down the steps to the gravelled walk though she had gone she had made an impression she had spoiled mr waysmith's evening all interest had left the magazine pages and he'd let the one in his hand slip to the floor and stared thoughtfully at the fire did any danger threaten his boy the only child he had or was this girl a story-teller probably she was she had concocted some fable in order to wheedle him into forgiveness of his pensioner dilson daddis was doing well with his studies he had safe companions he bade fair to make a model man true he talked a good deal and boasted more than his father liked but those were faults of youth the girl was a dishonourable and scheming little witch and with sudden anger and impatience against her the merchant went to the bookcase for his shakespeare and forced himself to read a few minutes later he closed the volume with an irritated exclamation staring him in the face were the lines i forgive you as i would be forgiven he would go to bed his head ached the room was hot and he was just rising and extending a hand to turn off the lights when he heard a tapping at the window beyond him End of chapter six